to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager for EHS Hero, about what EHS managers can expect in 2022. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager for EHS Hero. How's it going, Kevin? Doing well, doing well. So anyway, before we get started, we're going we're gonna to talk about sort of what, um, you know, what EHS managers can expect in 2022. But um, wanted to just have you sort of uh, tell sort of the audience again uh, about EHS Hero and what you do there. Yeah, so EHS Hero, I'm the uh, senior product manager for EHS Hero. I came to uh, simplify compliance in the BLR team through an acquisition. Basic Safe was a uh, software brand that I had uh, envisioned back in 2004 and and we had a number of Fortune 500 and other companies that were using the product. So we, uh, they, they, they merged us together because they had content and we had tools. And and I worked in that industry in the uh, safety industry for well over 30 years. So Excellent. they they have me helping them try to make that product so it delights everybody and and meets the needs that people have out there. Excellent. Um... Well, let's get started. I understand you've done some research recently about uh, EHS customer frustrations and time wasters. Uh, what have you found? Yeah, yeah. We have an EHS task force that we put together with some key people, and and we asked potential clients as we were kind of interviewing them uh, to find out what their needs were to see whether we were a fit for them using our product or not, as well as existing clients that were using our products. And and we just really ask them two questions. What's your, when you do your work? What's your most frustrating thing you deal with every day? And what do you feel like some of your your biggest time wasters are? And it was pretty interesting the results that we got from that. Uh, one of one of the uh, main things was training and managing how you get the training across to your employees and get them to retain that. That was probably one of the main things. But the one of the follow-ups was really related to what I consider safety culture, which is how do you get people to not be so complacent and how do you get the safety culture to be so that, you know, management understands that they have to support and be committed to safety. The, you know, the low hourly employees understand that they, they have to work safely and be responsible for themselves as well as, you know, observe whether other people are being safe or not. So it's, it's been a pretty revealing survey, if you ask me. There's some other things that have come out that uh, surprised me quite a bit. One was that there's quite a few people working now that are Ill- illiterate, which hmm. I would have thought was not as big of an issue anymore. Uh, but when you start thinking about training and issuing documents and doing quizzes and things like that, if somebody's illiterate, that becomes a very difficult task for them to try to be successful at. So uh, it was just some interesting things that came out of, you know, the discussions. So uh, I was, I was, there were some that were pretty, you know, yeah, I expected that intuitively, but there was quite a bit that was a little bit surprising to me. Um, And sort of, you know, with, you know, you mentioned sort of that, that main question that came out, um, you know, that people seem to have about uh, safety culture, you know, what would you tell those folks, um, you know, in sort of answering that concern? Well, I think I think you just have to get the entire workforce to understand that it's not just the safety guys 
uh, challenge. It's everybody, safety is for everybody. And the culture needs to be that management supports it because if, if the employees can tell that management doesn't support it, you know, oh, we had an injury. So now all of a sudden we're gonna go do all this work and we have this big spike of energy into safety. And as soon as OSHA quits looking over our shoulder, we go right back to the same way things have been for the last 30 years. Yeah, people people aren't idiots they're they have brains they they uh they'll see they'll see that activity and they'll see that support or lack of support and everybody needs to realize that safety does help drive profits and improves the workplace uh you know it, it's just a it's good for everybody and there's there's actual dollar figures and value that can be assigned to that it's it's just a hard thing sometimes for the safety people to sell but I think you know if they can move their whole program from more of a a prevention focus to more of a versus a reaction focus, I think that really improves culture as well. I mean, safety situations and events are going to just keep happening just because people make mistakes and and things happen. It's going to mm -hmm. be how you handle them when they happen. And speaking of safety culture, and you know we're in a new year now. How do you see workplace safety culture changing in 2022? I think there's some big challenges in 2022. Um, you know, the the COVID-19 uh, that just continues to be an issue, and it's a very political issue, unfortunately. But um, I think employees just need to realize that when management or the safety people are, and the HR people are looking at that, it's all they're trying to do is send people home safe. So they're trying to come up with policies and procedures, uh, things that they can do that if somebody does come to work that's sick, that, that you know they can prevent that from getting spread clear across the workplace because people, people are dying from it. You know, there's, and you just need to do what you can to protect people in the workplace from that kind of stuff. But again, I, I would say it's it's got to be from the top all the way down, you know, to the lowest level hourly employee, making sure that everybody knows that safety is for everybody. Um, you know, continually continuous improvement. You know, I don't think there's ever a place where you can go, okay, we're compliant, so let's <laughs> right. let's quit quit working on it. Ease up now, it, yeah. Yeah, that's you still got to keep your foot on the gas to keep moving. You know, so I think I just think it's important to keep, you know, improving your training techniques, improving your, you know, what you do to make sure that their employees retain the information when you're training them. Try to do things to eliminate time wasters. Every, that that affects morale in the job job place. If I'm having to do a bunch of things that I, I look at and go, nobody even reads these reports. Why do I? In fact, that was one of the things that came out of our employee survey as well, or excuse me, customer survey as well, was. Uh, one example uh, one of the leaders gave us was he was required to do a monthly report and he'd stopped doing it and it wasn't nobody even knew he stopped doing it for six months okay you know so what's the point of doing this if you're not even looking at it right people? and and i it's a valid point doing it for the sake of doing it man yeah we've been yeah. doing it this way forever and we think these are important well if it's important then somebody should be paying attention to it and using it. Um, and, you know, you mentioned sort of has to come from the top down. Uh, you know, what are, what are some ways that management can kind of, you know, get that across uh, that, you know, this isn't just a, you know, part-time thing. We need to be thinking about safety all the time. 
I think when the employees see investment in safety, and I don't think it has to be enormous investment, but I, I think when they see, oh, the company's actually spending money around this so that, you know, they only spend money on things they think are important. And, and that's pretty much a common business practice. You only spend the money on stuff you think you can get a, an ROI on. So um, I think when the employees see, see the company spending money on it, they see them taking time to, you know, improve training techniques, improve delivery methods. Anything that happens like that is going to make it, it may not be as big of a tick mark in the graph as you'd like it to be, you know, if you were to try to graph safety culture, but uh, anything they can do around that. And then I think when they have systems that allow them to measure it and they measure things that are important, I think, you know, how the old saying goes, anything that gets measured improves. Mm. So if, you know, if you can do things to demonstrate how you're measuring things, how you're holding people accountable, they just pay more attention to it. Excellent. Um, so how do you see organizations handling ESG and sustainability efforts in 2022? I, I see that getting more and more complex. There are just more things that, you know, more government regulations, more things that they want you to track, more things they want you to measure. And I, I feel like uh, companies and businesses are going to have to come up with methods of how they sift and filter through all that and how they get that information and then forward it out to their, you know, to their rank and file, if you will, of the employees. And leadership's either going to have to spend time doing that themselves or they're going to have to see if they can find automation or granular type products that deliver that in a manner that it's again eliminates those time wasters and and allows them to get that information that's critical to their business operation you know in some cases some of those issues would allow the government to shut you know to shut companies down if they don't comply with them and if it's just a it's just a business requirement these days. And I don't, I don't think they can, if they can simplify that process, nobody wants to read through, you know, a new statute that's 300 pages long. Mm -hmm. They want a, they want a summary of that statute. What do I have to do to meet and comply with this? I don't want to, I don't want to have to read the whole thing and try to interpret it. That's, that that's not what they want to do. They want to have a a tool or a or a department or a something that helps them strategize and helps them get that down to a consumable level. Is it harder for more established businesses, you know, that have been around for a long time, to sort of uh, get into the ESG thing? Because obviously, you know, these these kinds of requirements weren't around. Um, you know, 30, 20, 30 years ago, or we're just sort of in the beginning stages. And now, um, it, now there's also sort of public pressure to, you know, to these kinds of, uh, these kinds of efforts. So is it, is it more difficult for sort of those more established uh, businesses to, to get on board with ESG? I haven't observed that if it is, I do hear from People that don't like change, we've been doing it that way for the last 30 years, and you know we only hurt this many people. So, I, I do hear people justifying things that way in their minds, but it, it's not really a, a true justification because a lot of those things is just the law. 
right. have to do it. Right. You know, you know, you can go ahead and choose. It's like speeding. If I choose to speed in my car, I can do that as long as I'm willing to pay the speeding ticket when I get it. Right. You know, and I might get away with it for the next three years, but that time I don't get away with it, it might be a $300 ticket. So you just need, I, I hear of businesses that will just put that as a line item to pay those fines. I don't necessarily agree with that approach because I don't think that's a, I think it's better to prevent and, and not do that stuff that doesn't meet the requirements, but that's, you know, it certainly is a business choice. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned obviously COVID is remains an, uh, an issue as we, you know, we're dealing with these variants of, of the virus and it's, you know, causing a, you know, a rise in cases and, you know, uh, things are going remote again and it's, you know, uh, it's obviously a tough time for everybody, but how do you, you know, w with all that going on, how should EHS managers approach employee engagement and safety? I think you just have, I think you have to have a plan for that kind of stuff. You know, how are we, what are we going to do to manage it within our business? And it has to be unique to each business. I mean, a, a construction company is going to be different than a, a medical coding company where everybody works from home to code insurance claims. Right. Well, that's not a big concern. You know, a construction company is going to be doing dangerous things. They have to have a plan in place that, you know, for that exposure to COVID, they have to have a different kind of plan in place for the other hazards. I mean, COVID's a hazard, just like any other hazard you have in the workplace. And what, what you do to handle your hazards is you put in a risk assessment plan or a JSA, or you, you put in plans in place it's kind of like when bloodborne pathogens got more serious because we got more serious bloodborne uh, pathogens, you know, that could injure people or potentially kill them. Um, we came up with bloodborne pathogen plans and how we how we handle bloodborne issues if there is that kind of exposure. I, I think it's the same kind of thing as it's a hazard. It's a new hazard. It's it's a a serious hazard. Um, you just have to put together a plan of how you're going to handle that in your workplace. And then you have to follow the plan. Um, and, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there are plenty of other challenges for EHS leaders, um, you know, happening. What are some of the ones that kind of come to your mind, uh, you know, as we go into this new year? I would say that, it, it just continues to be an issue from what I, I would say the complacency. I mean, I, I talked to one director of operations and his comment was we, we take a full day every month to do our training, not just training for safety, but safety is a, clearly a part of that. But they also train for new people on the job, that kind of thing. And he said, the day after we have the training, I'll walk through the plant and things that we trained on won't be doing getting done correctly. So I, I think moving past that complacency, getting management buy-in and support on things, getting all the way down to the lowest hourly employee, I think it, you just got to realize that that kind of stuff is for everybody, not just the hourly workers. It's for everybody, and everybody needs to be supportive of it. Um, anything that EHS leaders can do to eliminate frustrations for people. You know, people want to, they want to like going to work. Mm -hmm. If you're frustrated all the time when you're at work because you're doing a bunch of tasks that are, are difficult because you're doing them all, you know, 
in an in an old using old technology or old uh, reports that you know nobody's looking at that's a that's a frustration and people consider that a time waster and leaders have to figure out ways to get people focused people are asked to do more and more these days you know they're and to do that you have to have tools and you have to have methods in place that allow you to do that i mean you wouldn't send an electrician in to go do a job without a screwdriver and an insulated pair of pliers don't try to send other people in to do jobs without the tools they need to do them. Uh, any other challenges that you see um you know in the year ahead I think there's going to continue to be challenges around the the workforce. I think COVID has changed things and people and leadership and management are going to have to figure out how to you know how to make things it's kind of become an employee marketplace again versus a employer marketplace again and you're going to have to do things as a business because the turnover is getting to be a bigger issue employee retention is getting to be a bigger issue and i think that's going to be a challenge because it's expensive to retrain a new employee when somebody you've had for 20 years knew your business knew your products knew your customers leaves you know to go take another job because you didn't listen to them you didn't you know do the things that would have made their job more satisfying and i think safety is something that does increase job satisfaction and you know and i think it helps with retention yeah i mean definitely we're you know i think in all industries we're seeing you know uh, a definite need for workers that folks you know folks are deciding they either don't want to don't want to work at all or or you know obviously are concerned about you know what's going on with safety and, and other things so um you know what can you do to kind of you know, you talk about increasing retention, you know, what kinds of things can employers do to sort of, you know, f- at least from the safety side to keep people, uh, you know, around and not, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, either leaving for another job or just leaving the industry altogether. That's a, that's a, I think that's a complex answer to that question. Um, you know, Pay is always something that is important, but I guess a lot of the studies now are finding that that pay is not as important as culture and and enjoying your workplace when you go to work every day and doing things to eliminate the frustrations, doing things to make people people feel appreciated, you know, just and it doesn't necessarily have to be pay. I, I, people do appreciate pay for sure. Mm-hmm. I know I'm sure you and I both do, but. Uh, it's not just pay. I think it's having a safety culture, uh, having a voice, uh, realizing that everybody, you know, can bring something up. Like I observe somebody working on safely. I can bring that up and not have to worry about that. That means that person's going to go get fired and hate me forever because I brought it up. No, I observed them being unsafe. Let's figure out what we do to keep from having those kind of activities again, because somebody could get hurt. Um, you know, just having the kind of a culture that allows people to do that without fear. And I think that's, I think that's important. We have historically had a lot of safety programs that, okay, you had an incident, now we're going to punish you. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's just not the right approach. 
we had an incident. Now let's now let's investigate it. What what happened that we can prevent so this kind of incident never happens again? Are you seeing more businesses kind of moving in that direction? I am. Less, less punitive. Yep, I am, and I'm seeing people. For sure, there still are businesses that are, and you know some of those won't change until the people in those businesses change. Mm. Um, but the the new generation, you know, the millennials and some of those people that are coming into work, those those things are more important to them, and and they're just not going to they're not going to put up with it. They'll change and go take another job somewhere, which can can be very expensive for a business. I mean, even, you know, you mentioned sort of the generational thing, you know, it seems like, you know, somebody's not going to stay in a job for 20 or 30 years anymore. You know, they're going to, they're going to look to move every couple of years. Uh, it seems to be sort of the trend these days. So, you know, that that's another challenge, I guess, that businesses have to deal with, right? It is. I mean, that that's where if you can create a culture and create a, a business where you can keep your employees for, you know, five, 10, 20 years, like you said, that's a big savings to the business over the life of the business. If you got to retrain somebody, I, we used to count on, I, I know development more because that's what we did to create our software brand was development. So developers, their average, you know, time on a job was getting down to where it was pretty close to a year because they get frustrated and go just take another job because there's enough demand out there. They can right. do that. But, you know, we would we had people that stay with us seven or ten years but we we went out of our way to purposefully try to make a culture try to listen to them try to meet them you know where their journey was in their employment to to give them what they were looking for from employment you know and it's it's a challenge because you also then have to follow rules that you're you're fair and treat everybody the same and everything else so it's 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 not a uh, it's not an easy task but you're right uh, there's not, I know when I went to work, the very first job I got, I thought I'd stay there till I retired. <laughs> you know, that was, that was back in the eighties. I don't think a lot of people think that way anymore. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably, I think there's some truth in that, but I do see companies that have cultures that, you know, their, their employees have been there 10, 20, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it, there still are businesses out there that are doing well in those areas, but there's a lot of businesses that are not. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and uh, giving us a little lowdown on what to expect this year. Yeah. Thank you for, for inviting me and having the chat. I appreciate it. All right. That wraps up episode 94 of EHS on tap. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.